they probably won't remember what we talk about, but hopefully they'll feel curious or interested or confident or something listening to this. And that's what gets remembered. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Colin Campbell, Director of Marketing at Sales Hacker. How are you doing today, Colin? Hi, Aurélien. I'm really, really well. Thanks for asking, and thanks for having me. That, that's an absolute pleasure. So, so today, with you, Colin, we will be talking about the ins and outs of content marketing, but uh, we've got a bit of a tradition. And before we get started, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself as an individual, as well as uh, your company or the company you represent, Selzaker? Yeah, okay. I love this tradition. Myself as an individual, I like woodworking and spending time outside. I've been in marketing for about eight years. I spent six years at a content marketing agency. And now at Sales Hacker, well, Sales Hacker, so people who don't know, some of your listeners may not know, Sales Hacker is the smartest community for B2B sales professionals in the world. We've got about 135,000 members in all industries and countries, and we've got a cool podcast, a newsletter, and uh, we do two webinars a week that are basically like free training for sales pros. And in all that stuff, we never have any pitches and all of our content comes from actual sales experts okay. and practitioners. So my role on the team is basically to, to, to manage everything. We're a small team though. So I, you know, I wear a lot of hats. Sometimes I do writing and SEO, but mostly these days I'm looking for new ways to bring our content to more sales pros in, in new places. Um, so exploring all kinds of experiments and new ideas that we can try. Yeah, I like that bit of uh, uh, a content marketing lab Then I guess you're trying to put in place. Yeah, it's really a dream job for me. I love content marketing. And, you know, in the past at the agency, you're beholden to clients, but this is like a playground. We can test all kinds of crazy things. That's fun. Well, let's get into it. So it's obviously common sense that B2B marketer need to have a strong content strategy in place in order to generate inbound leads, support their brand building, but also their thought leadership and so on. But from your perspective, what are the key elements you should bear in mind in order to get your content strategy right? Yeah, um, you, you hit on some really good areas, Aurelian, and I think everybody's got a different answer on this. And I know like, you know, you have your podcast. I'd be curious to hear what you think too. But I think one thing that kind of everybody misses is considering the goal of the user first. And some people don't consider it at all, but even when they do, they think, you know, how can I get more leads first? Or how can I look like a thought leader? And then they ask themselves, okay, now how did this content help the user? And that's backwards, really. It just doesn't work as well. And I think like, even if you look back at some of the advertising pros, like I love David Ogilvy. You read his uh, Ogilvy on advertising and a lot of the successful ads that he shows in that book, he was really doing content marketing. Some of his ads were a full page of a how-to article that helped his consumers achieve a goal on their own, regardless yeah. of the product. And uh, and then he would throw in like, a, and by the way, like if you want to get better at this, there's a product that can help even more. I, but I don't know, like there's so many areas you could say that are key elements to content strategy. What do you think? Well, I think it depends really what you do as a business as well. Yeah. So, so depending on the type of company and what you do. So for us, there is a, a strong element of consultancy in what we do. 
So we like to the podcast because from our perspective, it's, it's a good way for people to share their war stories, to share their ideas, to share what probably uh, make their campaign or make their sales strategy or their marketing strategy better than the other. So it, it, it's all about best practices. And, and we are really, really keen to share the best practices that we've learned with, with our clients. But yeah, for us, it's, it's, it's not only content, it's also a bit of, um, it's a bit of a community drive as well. We don't see a lot of B2B sales or lots of B2B marketing specialists getting together, particularly around our industry, which is the, the B2B yeah. software. So uh, I guess a few things. First of all, the, it's about getting people together and giving a platform so people can speak to each other. Number two is exchanging best practices. So, you know, we can learn our, ourselves from the podcast and change what we are doing, which we've done already. But it's also the way to create a community, I think. Now, when it comes to the, the reason why from a more commercial perspective and, and what we see the podcast doing for us, I mean, you know, we, we have seen people coming to us because they've been listening to podcasts and they're like, well, we, we, we then looked at operatics. We looked at what you do, guys, and we would be interested to speak to you because we believe you can support us. That, that's acquisition. But most of the time, it's more a tool of validation in a way. So people will yeah. use the content of the podcast as, hey, you know what? Actually, those guys know what they are talking about. They've got lots of cool people coming and speaking to them for 15, 20 minutes. The subject topics are always quite, you know, is also disruptive or they are uh, of interest to what we are doing right now. So it, it's more um, more a validation box where people say, well, you know what? These guys are the only one doing it. No one else in their competition are spending the time to actually speak with the community, get new ideas. And I think that's what really make a difference from a content perspective. Yeah, I think you're onto something. And I also think in a way that's you putting the community first because you're not hopping on the podcast every week and just talking about what you want to talk about. You're bringing on people like me who hopefully are interesting or teaching something to your audience. So like you've yeah. got a community first, audience first approach. I think that works. I think like if you look around at the space, the people who are nailing this, you can kind of just you know, look at them and make it your own, but more or less copy. Drift has this nailed. And I think they really care about how they make their audience feel because that's what people remember, right? They don't even, they probably won't remember what we talk about, but hopefully they'll feel curious or interested or confident or something listening to this. And that's what gets remembered. And I think like that's an element that's missing from most content marketing strategies. Absolutely. Well, sp speaking about communities, from your perspective, how can content support your community building strategy? Yeah. I mean, so just like you were just saying about how you run this podcast, it's for us at Sales Hacker, the content and the community are one and the same. Yeah. But like I said earlier, none of our content actually it, it comes from marketers. Like most of the content on the web is written by some content marketer who's just trying to get leads. And I mean, sometimes it works. That's the thing. Like it works for the marketer, but it doesn't always bring the most interesting or most educational reading experience for the user. And I think the best content is actually just built cooperatively with one or more people who are actually doing the thing that you're talking about. And the role of the content marketer is really more of an organizer. So like if I were in, let's say I was in manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I knew that my audience was like a senior engineer and, you know, I, that means I probably want to have engineers on my blog, but engineers may not be super into writing. So then my job as a content marketer is to get the engineers ideas on paper, help make them look good, help make their ideas like readable and findable and market them. 
it's not for me to try to become an engineering expert overnight because I'm just a marketer. That's a good point. That's a good point. And what are your thoughts on, on, on the different mediums? So there is a traditional medium, which is paper, I guess, so uh, and PDFs and all that sort of great stuff. So like the, the, the written medium, there is what we are doing right now, which is more the audio. Uh, so, so the podcast and other bits and pieces that you can do by recording yourself. And there is also video content. What, from your perspective, is, is, is the most powerful? There is also all the social media things. Obviously, you can do videos via uh, the Instagram and everything. But what's the best strategy? Is the best strategy to use all of the above? Focus on one? Does it depend well, on what you do, your industry? Can you do it in manufacturing? I mean, how do you choose the right medium for your content strategy? It's a very wide open yeah. question, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's a big question, but it's a really good one because there's this right now, I think to a lot of people, it feels like they have to be doing everything. And that's yeah. not necessarily true. I mean, if you look at your competitors, say, and everybody's got a killer podcast, you probably shouldn't do a podcast because then you're just Mr. Me Too or Mrs. Me Too. Like what you want to be doing is something that's new and different. Like you can't be better if you're not different, right? So if you want to stand out from your competition, you may be doing it worse, but at least you'll be different and memorable. And then you can iterate from there and get better. So like one way to choose which forms you're doing is just to like make a spreadsheet of the forms to a grid, you know, the columns are the, the different formats of content, the rows are your competitors and just rate them like one to five, find the gaps. Does nobody have a good YouTube channel? And if, you know, check if your audience is actually on YouTube or if there's like a gap in podcasting, then make it, then make a podcast. But I think like they can all work. I mean, if you think about the way people communicate, the written word has been around for, I don't know, thousands of years. We started recording audio a couple hundred years ago and video is pretty new. I personally think out of all of them, audio and video are the most natural. And the only reason people aren't doing more is because it takes a little bit of technical skill to do it. So I think those are both going to be more and more popular. And there's a huge amount of white space and demand for more business video. Absolutely. And I think it also depends, coming back to your first comment in, in the conversation today, it depends on the audience that you want to target. If you're targeting someone in their 60s, they probably would be more open to written content versus video content. If you are a company like Drift and you want to target some prospects that are middle-aged marketing people, uh, you probably want to come up with a funky video, maybe a tailored video that you can send them that your sales guy could send them. So I think it's also about adapting to the people that you are targeting. But mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think video is a tough one. Video is a tough one because I feel that most of the people we are trying to engage with are more comfortable recording their voice, having a conversation like the one we're having right now, rather than being in front of a camera. I think there is a bit of inhibition, but people are, are less likely to do a video. I think they like the concept of doing a video, but when it comes to it, they're actually very difficult. Also, you need to be in the same place, which is not very easy, but, but we, we are trying to do more video because we, we think it's better. And this is what we consume. When we look at people around us, you know, you mentioned YouTube, Instagram, you could do some short, powerful video and very easy to consume, very easy to, to get to, and, and the message can come across very easily. So, um, yeah, funnily enough, we, we, we're going to try more video and we, we will do that internally first as an internal campaign for our people. And if, if that's positive, we'll, uh, we'll try to find some funky idea and see how we could bring that to our prospective market and our community. I can't wait to see what you guys do. We're launching a video series right now. We had a, a little pilot season one 
out over the summer of 2019 and um, it, it got some traction. We have some stuff to figure out still, but you know, it's new for us. And, th- and like you said, like it depends the answer to what's the best format for content is always going to be. It depends, which is why I always tell people that the only best practice that exists in content marketing or, or maybe any marketing is to test things because the instant you think you've got the way, like the one way to do it right, you're probably going to get left behind by somebody who's testing something. Yeah. So like, even if you think, you know, your olds don't want to watch videos, it's, you know, if you can do a quick little test, like it doesn't have to be expensive, it's probably worth it. Absolutely. Well, I also think that there is two types of video. There is obviously the very professional, highly, very expensive, very glossy video. And then you can have just right. you know, normal videos. If you look at what we consume on, on, on the consumer level, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, YouTube, some of it is not, is they're not professional making the videos. They're just people who've got great content and you watch the video because of you're interested by the content. Uh, the, the form may not be perfect, but I, I think the content is key. So even if you've got a GoPro and you go around and film yourself, that, that may be sufficient to actually create content. That, that's probably what we will try. But you, you touch a good point about uh, trialing and testing, uh, which kind of led me to, to my next question around KPIs. I'm the CEO here at Operatics, and I'm, I'm, I'm always asking questions to my marketing folks and sales folks about metrics and where we are with things now we are progressing. And I believe that from, from a sales perspective, it's actually quite straightforward, but it's always more difficult when you want to try new things, particularly in, from a marketing perspective to measure and, and get that value of success. How do you value success? So when it comes to, to setting goals and metrics, what, what should marketer be tracking to measure the success of their content strategy from your perspective? Yeah, uh, it's an age-old question. I mean, there's that quote from Henry, I think it was Henry Ford. I might be mis- misattributing this quote, but I think he said something like, I know half of my advertising budget is wasted. I just don't know which half. <laughs> I think that's still kind of true, even though we have all of these measurement tools, Google Analytics, and every social platform has its own analytics. I think it's easy to get caught up in looking at how individual pieces of content perform and drive some kind of result, whether it's like a keyword ranking or a conversion rate or shares. But I think like at the end of the day, you have to look at the success of your overall strategy, like do the strategy for a year. And if you're successful, that means you're successful. So I don't know, like it's a, it's a little bit of both. What I'm about to say might sound like content marketing is worth investing in no matter what. And that's not true. Some content isn't worth it. But I do think the real sign of success is if you start a content marketing strategy that you believe in, you have to ask yourself, is your business growing faster this year than it was last year? Mm-hmm. And if not, you know, you can point a little bit to that content strategy. Yeah. So, you know, from our perspective is uh, you can't really attribute deals to contents unless it's a very straightforward, okay, someone listened to that podcast episode and they just contacted us because they happened to have found us through, you know, a LinkedIn connection or whatever it is, and then listened to the podcast and then subsequently came to us. Funnily enough, sometimes we, we only discover three months after starting a program with a client that it's that piece of content or that podcast that, that drove them to, to get in touch with us in first place. I think it's more the, it's more the word of mouth for us because, because again, the community. And we feel that, you know, it's the role of marketing is not just acquisition. It's also making sure that we can, we can keep our clients and get our clients to believe that no matter if, if we do a good job or not, we, we still 
the leader, which is still the sort leader in our market. But um, yeah, sometimes it's not as straightforward. And, and I agree with you. I think you need to look at it as a whole and and just look at are we may, are we doing better than last year? What is the budget that we are investing? And also, are we having fun doing it? Yeah, I think it's very important because you know sometimes having fun doing things, learning from doing something. Um, having the rest of your team looking at what you are doing, having the rest of your team listening to those podcasts, listening to best practices is also a value. It's not a, a capitalistic value in a sense. You may not be able to associate it to revenue, but I think it's very important to have fun in what you do. Uh, and if you can afford to do it, yeah, why not? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, a post from Matt Hines the other, maybe it was yesterday on LinkedIn and, you know, the classic like smile and dial, because if you smile while you're on the phone with a prospect, they can hear the cheeriness in your voice. He said, you should have the same thing in your content marketing. Like, is your content smiling? Are you having fun, basically? And that comes across. I think it makes a really positive brand impression when you can do that consistently. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So thank you very much for your insight today, Colin. I I really appreciate that you took the time to, to get together with me and share your thoughts with our audience. So if anyone wants to connect with you, what's the best uh, way to get in touch with you, Colin? Uh, probably look me up on LinkedIn. There are a lot of Colin Campbells. My LinkedIn uh, handle yeah. is Content Campbell or Colin at saleshacker.com. You can just email me too. Wonderful. Well, once again, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for your time today, Colin. Thanks, Aurelian. It was nice meeting you, man. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, Companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.